Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. An idol is anything that we put our hope in, in the place of God. Any substitute for God is an idol, and any idol is powerless to really deliver in the day of trouble. Your idol might get you a little ways, you know, down the road of your pursuits in life, but there's always a point where the idol no longer is able. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 7 through 10. Now here's Pastor Brian. So here in the eighth chapter, it says, At the time says, at that time says the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the king. So he's talking about the, the judgment that's going to come. They shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, the bones of its princes, the bones of its priests, the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves, they shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven, which they have loved and which they have served, in which they have walked, in which they have sought, in which they have worshiped. They shall not be gathered nor buried. They shall be like refuse on the face of the earth. Then death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of those who remain of this evil family. So the judgment is going to be extreme and it's going to be severe. Down in verse eight, he asks the question, how can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. And here in this eighth chapter, the emphasis here is the folly and danger of rejecting God's word. So that's kind of the message of the whole eighth chapter. Um, So the wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? And that's a great question. When you reject the word of the Lord, what, what wisdom do you have? When the leaders of people reject the word of the Lord, what wisdom do they have? And we see over and over again, historically, we just see nation after nation after nation rejecting the word of the Lord. And where does everything go? It always goes in the same direction and it always goes south. It always goes bad. Always. There's no example of any people rejecting the word of the Lord and their society actually getting better. It, it is the beginning of the end. And so... Once you reject the word of the Lord, and that's what they were doing. Verse 11, he's speaking about the the prophets and the priests. They deal falsely. He says, for they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. So this was the message of the false prophets. The message of the false prophets was everything's good. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. This guy, Jeremiah, he is, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't listen to him. And we're going to find as we go through it that that rhetoric just ratchets up more and more and more. And then Jeremiah finds himself in, in much trouble as we go on here. But that was 
the message of the false prophet was peace. And as Jeremiah said here, it's a superficial healing of the wound. In other words, the wound of the, of the people, speaking metaphorically of their sin, is so severe. But these guys are trying to heal it with something superficial. They're not even recognizing the depth of or the seriousness of the problem in the nation. And so over in verse 20, uh, there's an interesting word here. Verse 20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. And so this will be the, the end of the people. They will not be saved, but it was their own choosing, really, in the end. So for the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? So the answer is, yes, there's balm in Gilead. Yes, there's a physician there. But because the people don't recognize their need, they won't go for help. That's the the point that's being made. So chapter nine, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers. So remember, this is all pre-invasion. So Jeremiah is seeing from the Lord what's coming. And he's trying to warn the people that this judgment is coming. And this judgment can be averted if they turn to him. And so he's talking about how just the grief that will come upon all. And he's experiencing that himself, that he had a place in the wilderness that he could go and he could hide. And then he speaks and he says, and like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for truth on the earth for they proceed from evil to evil and they do not know me, says the Lord. So, you know, this is the people of God. I think it's important that we remember that because, you know, sometimes we marvel at our own national situation And we think, gosh, you know, the people of America don't know the Lord. Well, the people of Israel didn't know the Lord. (laughs) And I mean, you know, the Lord was their Lord. He was their king and they didn't know him. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that the people in this nation or other nations do not know the Lord. The Lord says in verse 11, I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate and without inhabitant. Verse 12, who is the wise man who may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? Why does the land perish and burn up like a wilderness so that no one can pass through? And the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, they have not obeyed my voice nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts. And after the bells which their fathers taught them. Walking after the dictates of their own heart, that's a common way of referring to the condition of the people. 
in Judges, maybe you remember, as we studied through Judges, there was that phrase, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's the same thing. Walking according to the dictates of their heart means that you decide what's right. You decide what's wrong. You decide what's good. You decide what's bad. And it's just whatever you think. That's what Israel did. They disregarded the word of God and they did that. And again, we see a parallel all around us today, right? So verse 23, thus says the Lord. Great verses right here. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Paul quotes this in his first letter to the Corinthians when he's talking about the the wisdom of the world and so forth. And he's reminding the Christians that our boast is not in any of those things. And in the context here, of course, the wise man, he's trusting in his wisdom, glorying, boasting, trusting. It's all the same thing. In his wisdom, the mighty man in his might, the rich man in his riches. So in other words, they're saying, none of this stuff is ever going to touch me because I'm too wise. I'm too strong. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I can take care of it. I can deal with it. I can get around it. That's what they're saying. And he says, let not them glory in those things. If anyone's going to glory or boast or trust, let them glory in that he understands and knows me. And isn't this a beautiful description of the Lord? For I am the Lord exercising loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these I delight says the Lord wow so this is what the Lord exercises and will ultimately exercise loving kindness judgment or justice could be uh, you could say that this word is justice as well and righteousness in the earth these are the things that the Lord delights in And so, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised down at the very end, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. So the nations, the uncircumcised nations are going to be judged, but the circumcised, which would be Israel, are going to be judged as well. So, chapter 10. Chapter 9, the idea was the futility of trusting anyone or anything but the Lord, And that's what we saw in that last verse here. And now um, chapter 10 really deals with the impotence of idols and contrasted with that, the power of the Lord. So hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven. Verse three, for the customs of the people are futile. So here's the description of what they're doing. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workman with the ax. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them these idols that are just described here, for they can 
not do evil, nor can they do anything good. This is kind of like what Isaiah was talking about, how they took a tree, they cut off the stump, and they you know, made part of it into a god, and they put part of it in the fire and cooked their dinner, and then they took another part and they bowed down to it and worshiped it. And Isaiah said, and they don't even realize they're bowing down to a block of wood. And that's really what the Lord is saying here. So just so we're clear on this, this is not a Christmas tree that's being described. Many people have thought that this was a Christmas tree and around Christmas, we always get questions about, you know, why do you have a Christmas tree at your church or in your house? Because that's idolatry. That's uh, from Babylon. The Babylonians had Christmas trees. Notice they said it's upright like a palm tree, not a Christmas tree. So this is not the description of decorating a Christmas tree. It's a description of, of decorating, um, of making an idol, putting the, the gold and the silver, overlaying it onto the wood. So down in verse 8, a wooden idol is a worthless doctrine. You know, any idol is a worthless doctrine. An idol is, is anything that we put our hope in in the place of God. Any substitute for God is an idol, and any idol is powerless to really deliver in the day of trouble. Your idol might get you a little ways, you know, down the road of your pursuits in life, but there's always a point where the idol no longer is able. And whether that's idol, that idol is money, or that idol is fame, or that idol is your physical strength, or that idol is your intelligence, you know, those are many of the things that, that people idolize. Or it's another person. There's always a limit to all of those things. They will always, at some point, be powerless to help when things get really desperate. And so you think of, you know, it's happened innumerable times, right? You know, maybe somebody who's like the wealthiest person in the world or the most powerful and a loved one is dying and there's nothing they can do about it. All the money in the world can't save the child or the person or the whatever the case might be. And this is what they've invested everything in. This is what they've trusted in. And now that idol lets them down. That is true of all idols. A wooden idol or any idol is a worthless doctrine. Verse 10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. So all of the idols, whatever they might be, those that didn't make the heaven and the earth, and there's only one who made the heaven and the earth, right? So all of the rest of them, they will perish. He has made the earth by his power. He has established it, established the world by his wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at his discretion. When he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens 
and he causes the vapors to ascend to the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by an image. So here's the true God, the living God who does all of these things. And then the dull-hearted, they're off with their idols. And so verse 16, the portion of Jacob is not like them. So the portion of Jacob being the Lord is not like the idols, for he is the maker of all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. So still true today that the portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the maker of all things. You know, it's fascinating to think that still today there are tribes that, that are situated in different places around the world who live in many ways similar to, way, to the way um, ancient peoples lived, right? And they still have, you know, we, we look at these kind of idol type things and we think, well, that, yeah, that happened way, way back then, and it did, but it still happens today in certain cultures, and it's always such an amazing thing to hear the stories or to see how when these people who have spent their whole lives and maybe the lives of their parents and their grandparents, when the gospel comes to their culture, when the gospel comes to their tribe and they come to know the true and the living God and are delivered from these idols and all of the oppressive things that came along with the idolatry. It's always such an amazingly beautiful picture when that happens. And it, and it still happens. It happens to this very day. And now um, let's jump over to verse 19. And this is one of those points. Remember last time we talked about how sometimes it's hard to know if it's Jeremiah speaking or the Lord speaking. And this is one of those moments says, woe is me for my hurt. My wound is severe. But I say, truly, this is an infirmity and I must bear it. My tent is plundered and all my cords are broken. My children have gone from me and they are no more. There is no one to pitch my tent anymore or set up my curtains. So in one sense, it sounds like Jeremiah could be saying this, but in another sense, Jeremiah couldn't be saying it because he doesn't have any children. And the reference to the tent here is almost certainly a reference to the temple. Because remember, the temple before it was a temple was a tent. And so it seems that this is the Lord through Jeremiah lamenting the state of affairs. And look what he says in verse 21. I can't tell you how many times this passage has just really spoken to me. For the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and their flock shall be scattered. Wow. That was the problem. Remember early on, the problem was with the priest and the prophets. The prophets prophesied falsely and the priest uh, functioned in their own strength and my people love to have it so, the Lord said. And here's just another reference to the shepherds. The problem starts with the shepherds. 
And wherever you find today, I think of England comes to my mind most often, England or Scotland or Wales for that matter. You know, here, of course, (laughs) we got our Bible from there and, uh, you know, many of the great saints throughout history and much of the, the wonderful church history that transpired there. But to a large degree, even though thankfully there's some really good things that God is doing in the land today, but there's been this dearth for decades. You know, what you find generally throughout the land is you find that the Christians have suffered greatly, that they're scattered, that they're unhealthy, that they don't know what to believe, and they oftentimes their lives are, you know, wrecked in, in a lot of ways. But the greater responsibility I've always felt goes on the shepherds, because at some point in their history, they began to doubt God's word, they began to deny God's word, they began to undermine God's word, and as they did that, they became dull-hearted and the sheep are the ones who suffer. And certainly not exclusively an English problem. I mean, it happens everywhere. But that, that one always stands out to me because of the amazing history, Christian history, that is their part of that nation. But this is where the problem lies. The shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Pray for us that we never become dull-hearted that we never stop seeking the Lord because that's the beginning of the end and we never want to do that. So verse 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. O Lord, correct me, but with justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. A good reminder, it's not... In us, the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. We need the Lord to lead us. Try to do it on our own. We're going to end up in a ditch somewhere because we don't know how to walk. So we have to always be reliant on him. It's not in our hearts to, to know the way to go and to go the right way. It's in our hearts to go astray. Remember Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. That's the human tendency. And that's why we have to be dependent on the Lord. Lord, you lead me, you guide me, you know the way, you show me. And of course, in many, many ways, God has made that clear to us in his word. That's why we have a Bible. We thank God for the Bible. But then, of course, there are those other aspects where God is going to lead us through the the principles of Scripture and through His voice that we learn from our commitment to and meditation on the Scriptures. But Jeremiah is recognizing himself that he needs the Lord to direct his steps. And so do we. For the month of September, 
Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller. With so much social, cultural, and relational unrest, all of us need to forgive or be forgiven in either small or significant ways. Have you ever found it difficult to forgive someone for a wrong they committed against you? What if that person never apologized? How can you forgive someone who hasn't even acknowledged they have done something wrong? In his book, Forgive, Timothy Keller lays out the path of forgiveness that leads to reconciliation rather than the path of unforgiveness that can lead towards retaliation. You'll learn about the power of forgiveness that can bring freedom both to the one who forgives and the one who has been forgiven. We are living in a time where forgiveness is desperately needed. If you're struggling with forgiveness or even guilt, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Jeremiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.